Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers at Performance Medicine. I'm going to come to you today with a special guest, with a special book. This is a person that I have known for just three months. I went to visit her clinic in Asheville, North Carolina, mm -hmm. and she and her husband have come today to visit our clinic because we have a lot of similarities. This is Dr. Ashley Lucas, and she is an amazing person for one thing she's changed lives through nutrition mm -hmm. and formed her own company and is just an amazing person to talk to so you wrote this book which i read get a picture of that mm -hmm. five steps to reset mm -hmm. the scale and your company is called phd weight loss and yes. it's so unique when i heard about it mm -hmm. i wanted to go see it mm -hmm. so a bunch of us from here went over there and a light bulb goes off in my head when I saw your clinic. All these people that were standing on vibration plates mm -hmm. and then talking to counselors. And actually, one of the guys that I went with, I won't mention his name because of HIPAA, but mm -hmm. um, he went with us over there from here, and he had lost over 100 pounds. That's actually, right. I think he was the one that told me about you. He was. I think he came in to see you, and you said, how did you drop this weight? You must have used medications or something. And he said, no, just nutrition nope. and behavior change. And you couldn't believe it. I was <laughs> shocked. And so I had to see this for myself. And mm -hmm. sure enough, um, it was true. And I, I love what you're doing. Before we get into the ins and outs of your nu nutrition program, tell me about yourself a little bit, Ashley. Sure. Well, you know, I came to the field of nutrition a little bit in a, in a different manner. I was a professional ballet dancer. And I always struggled with my weight. I counted calories. I obviously exercised like crazy, but I was never where I needed to be for the sport. You know, I needed to be pretty darn lean. And I was told that I was fat countless times. I restricted myself and I was injured all the time. I had stress fractures. I had in my feet, in my back. And I had a fairly successful dancing career just because I hate when someone tells me I can't do something. You know, it lights a fire in my belly. And so I just pushed myself through the injuries and through the difficulties emotionally that that led to. And so I danced all over the, the nation and I danced in multiple professional ballet companies. And mid 20s, my my dancing career came to an end when I was chosen to perform in New York City you know, every dancer's dream. And instead of finding myself in the spotlight of these once in a lifetime performances, I landed in the ER. You know, I, I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was having a heart attack. And after a whole bunch of tests, the neuro neurologist came back and said that I was underfed, overexercised, and I just physically and mentally and emotionally couldn't do it anymore. You know, it, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that was... It is a big deal. You know, well, Huge it was deal. to me, you know, 20 years of, of struggle and sacrifice, and I had to quit before many folks would have said that I made it. It's like Michael Phelps at the top of the pool getting ready to jump in, and instead he was carted off to the hospital, and that was me. So. That is fascinating. You know, and looking back, I've known some ballet dancers, and I think from an early age the body abuse that they take yeah. both mentally and physically because they want you to be really lean, don't they? So lean. 
I mean, it's it's really not good for your body, is no. it? No, and then to have the energy of any Olympic-level athlete at the same time, it's almost an impossible feat, especially if you're not naturally built that way. And for me, I wasn't. I had to force myself that to. That is so fascinating. So you were a top-level ballet dancer mm -hmm. and ended up in the ER in New York City. That's right. And is that when a light bulb went off in your head as far as I got to change? Yeah, I just, I was so fearful. I was fearful of my health future. I didn't know, that was my identity. It's like an Olympic level gymnast or swimmer and that's all they do, that's all they know. I didn't know anything else. And so here I'm just shoved out of it prematurely and I was forced to, to go a different route and I knew how significantly nutrition or really lack of nutrition impacted my own sport performance. So that what is what urged me, propelled me to go in and earn my PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease. Wow. Um, and I'm so glad that it did. It was a perfect journey for me, although painful, but most of our journeys have you a You are pain motivated. In it. <laughs> now you're helping all these other people. I always tell people, us doctors are put here to help other people. Yeah. That's our main mission, and that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you had to sacrifice a lot to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's tough to get a Ph.D. I mean, that's, to me, it's harder to get that than an M.D. Mm, I don't know about I, that, I but really, I appreciate I it. I really think it is. <laughs> um, a lot more research. But yeah. in any event, so this light bulb went off, and we're going to dive in a little bit to the different nuances of nutrition. Mm. Actually, 18 years ago when I formed Performance Medicine, it was for the sole purpose of helping obese patients get leaner mm -hmm. because two of my children had come down with type 1 diabetes and I realized I didn't know anything about nutrition mm -hmm. and what they had taught me was completely wrong. Yeah. But since diving into nutrition and hormones and all the stuff that I do, you know, I've realized that weight loss is complex it may be the most complex thing there is out there mm -hmm. there's so many i mean it's it's not only physical it's not only what you eat it's mental it's psychological and you're dealing with all those That's right. so tell me kind of how you approach somebody that walks into you and they're a hundred pounds overweight mm -hmm. what how do you approach that whole thing well, the first thing is exactly spot on as to what you said, that uh, weight loss is much more complicated than calories in and calories out. But I get comments all the time from people saying, you just need to eat less, put less in your mouth and move more. That's bogus. It doesn't work. Yeah, we're not, we're not monitored by calorie sensors, right? We've got hormones, metabolism, the mental, emotional, behavior aspects. Um, so the first thing that I recognize is I don't think that it's their fault that they've gained the weight. Exactly right. I look at it being driven by metabolism, by addiction for a lot of people. So the first thing I like to do is to, like I do in my book, is to explain why the weight gain really isn't your fault. And then taking a unique perspective as to how to take the weight off and keep it off for good. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. When I see an obese patient, or I call them all patients, person walking down the street or in the grocery store, mm -hmm and they're massively overweight, I don't think of them like I used to. Mm -hmm. I used to think in the back of my mind, well, that's, that's a lazy person. Mm -hmm. That is not a lazy mm -hmm. person. That is a person with a different metabolism than I have. Yeah. It is not their fault. I mean, they may eat less than I do sometimes. Most often. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just crazy. Happens. So these are individual patients that need a problem solved. Mm -hmm. And... You have to look at it 
holistically Definitely. with everything. So tell me kind of how, if, if I send you a patient, which mm -hmm. I will and I have, mm -hmm. how would you approach it first? I know it's a stepwise thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's not an easy overnight it's not an overnight fix like a lot of people think it is. It's not, but we make it as simple as possible. And we try to make it as speedy as possible because if you think about 100 pounds or even 30 pounds, if you were to drop the 0.5 per week that the CDC and you know medical community suggests is healthy, it takes forever. And most people end up with significant diet fatigue and give up before they've made any dramatic change to their metabolism and it all comes back. Great point. So there's actually a lot of research out there showing that speedier weight loss is actually more effective and you're more likely to keep it off. So for us, most of our men drop about three to five pounds per week and most of our women two to three pounds. And we do that by first understanding the body and the visceral fat. You know, we look at weight loss with uh, dieting and nutrition and lifestyle, but most of us don't look at physiologically what's happening in the body. And I was really curious about that. So I dove in and looked at what happens in the fat cell. And we actually know that the fat cell in the belly is different than the fat cells throughout the rest of the body, that visceral fat, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that fat that fills up the organs and wraps around it like a straitjacket, right? It, it gets in there. And if you're carrying fat in your belly and you took a, took a slice of your liver, it'd look like a Kobe beef steak. So that, that's what I'm talking about by that yeah, unique yeah, fat. Yeah. That fat gets in there, it grows its own blood vessels, it gets its own oxygen supply and it starts to secrete its own hormones. So, it's like its own organ, right? Yeah, and it it's causes like a inflammation. Yeah, You're it right. secretes interleukin 6, which is your inflammatory hormone. And by inflammation, I mean joint pain, fatigue, even like skin irritation. We'll have so many clients come in with autoimmune conditions, and the symptoms of those almost completely resolve through dropping weight. And it's because you're reducing those inflammatory hormones in the body. That so, is amazing. You're exactly right. That inflammatory cytokine storm yeah, with that COVID? we saw with COVID was what killed people. Exactly. I mean, it, it particularly chose out the obese patients. The, them and low vitamin D mm -hmm. is what I saw. Yes. We treated a ton of it. Well, if you think about it, if you're carrying around this excess weight, you've got already more of that inflammation, that interleukin-6. And so COVID with that cytokine storm just increased it to a level that the body could not tolerate anymore. I'm fascinated by your approach to this visceral adiposity. Mm -hmm. So you measure it, right? We measure it and we've got to make sure that you fully collapse it because if you only drop a portion of that excess fat weight, it's like shaving the top off of a weed and leaving the root and it's all going to come back. So that's why we see this yo-yo phenomenon happen all the time is because most of you only choose some ambiguous number. You want to drop maybe 15 or 20 pounds of that true 50 pound fat mass in there and it all comes back. It's not your fault. It's not that you failed. It's just that metabolically your body hasn't gotten to its sweet spot where you live, Dr. Rogers, in your mm -hmm. sweet spot mm -hmm. where you really don't have to think about it and your metabolism is much more fast and efficient. For those of you carrying around this excess fat weight, your metabolism is slow. It's sluggish. All you, your body wants to do is get fatter as fast as possible. Maintain homeostasis. Yeah. You're right. When you said that about the... The faster weight loss, I agree with you 100%. You know, 20 years ago, I would tell my patients, 
lose it slow, half a mm. pound a week, mm-hmm. like I was taught, because mm-hmm. it'll stay off. That completely didn't work. No. I like fast weight loss. Mm-hmm. I'm impatient, so I like it fast, yeah. too. I mean, <laughs> it's just so discouraging to, for a patient to lose a half pound a week. Mm-hmm. They don't notice a difference. They just give up. Because totally. a lot of it is psychological, isn't it? How do you get into a person's psyche mm-hmm. in approaching their weight? I mean... You have to be really careful, you know. So careful. With them because, I mean, they've already probably been psychologically damaged because people are calling them fat or, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's got to be something there that a better way to approach it than most people do. Well, for us, you know, we, well, we create a customized meal plan for each person, guiding them on exactly what, when, and how much to eat. So it's very clear. We take out all of the guesswork and we make it really simple. If you dine out, it's totally feasible. If you travel, I mean, there's no lifestyle we haven't been able to support. So that is the basis of it. But then we understand, like you said, 80% of any change comes from the mind. There's the mental, emotional, habit, behavior, and we've got to tackle that. There's so many programs out there that just maybe give medications or injections and then tell you what you should and shouldn't eat, but they don't tackle the mindset. And if 80% of this journey is coming from the mind, then I will find even if the weight drops, but the mind doesn't go with it, the weight doesn't stay off. So it takes for some people some deep work that they have to work through. And with us, we have weekly one-on-one coaching, but we're not therapists. We are Mm -hmm. coaches. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. stack wins. We create new behaviors, definitely. But if there is some kind of deep trauma that happened in the past, then that usually needs to be worked through with some kind of certified and licensed therapist. Uh-huh. A lot of times that'll come out, won't it? It will. And and sometimes it can be scary to think about, but it's so worth it in the end. And I hear that from clients all the time who just come up and give me a hug. They're, they're crying, but they are so filled with the sense of freedom um, and I think commitment to themselves to continue to work to be the best versions of themselves. Well, I saw them in your clinic crying and hugging you and thanking yeah. you that day and that was just we we're just in there for half an hour and mm-hmm. I saw it with my own eyes but yeah. anyway you're right I suspect and I've long suspected that for a lot of people that are really obese that there was some childhood trauma maybe some abuse Mm -hmm. and you know you're right you need to deal with those things uh, by somebody that you can you know trust and things like that Mm -hmm. but I've long known that and sometimes it just comes out sometimes it comes out in the room when I'm talking with a patient oh yes often and you know you can't ignore that. You have to deal with mm-hmm. it and get them to the right person. And, mm-hmm. you know, that just that first step in telling somebody about it, I think, is really freeing for them. But mm-hmm. I love the fast weight loss. Um, you know, having diabetic children, you know, we focus a lot on carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy. And I, I love your approach, too, because I think routine and ritual is important for anybody that's successful. They, they all, any successful person has a routine, yeah. don't Ru- you think? Routine and non-negotiables. Yeah. So those yeah. two definitely have to go together. When you say non-negotiables, do you mean you don't drink Cokes? You yes. don't drink sweet tea? That's I right. have people that come to me all the time, <laughs> well, I'm getting half and half sweet tea now. I go, that, you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that 
ever. There's just no reason to do that. Yeah, I mean, for you, your non-negotiables include no sweet tea. My non-negotiables are that I move my body every day, not five days yeah. a week, but seven days a week. It is a non-negotiable for me to move somehow. And if I don't, I've made it so familiar that it feels really uncomfortable if I don't get that in. And that is the goal is that you have to make these things that are healthy, that you, you know, are going to encourage your best self to be familiar and make those unhealthy stopping at fast food, for example, drinking the sweet tea, those have to become unfamiliar. Yeah. So yeah. that routine and non-negotiables for me, another non-negotiable um, is that I, I generally eat well, you know, I, I, I get my 30, I work hard at this. It's hard for me, but 30 grams of protein for my first meal of the day. Um, I have to bring myself back there, but that is a non-negotiable for me. I agree. I think most people don't get enough protein. I agree. Maybe with too many carbs, if they're, especially mm -hmm. if they're insulin resistant, they don't yes. realize it. Um, so tell me about the meal plan that you have. So with us, we're focused on finding each person's carbohydrate tolerance level. Okay. We all are able to tolerate a different load of carbohydrates. So if you come from a genetic predisposition of type 2 diabetes or morbid obesity, then your carbohydrate tolerance level is going to be lower. If you've struggled with significant weight gain in your past, your tolerance is going to be lower. For you, your tolerance is higher than most people because you're more naturally lean and you've never accumulated that visceral fat in your belly, so your body's working efficiently. But then your kids with type 1 diabetes, they're not carbohydrate tolerant at all. No, none. None. Yep. So, so it's understanding that unique level. So we never say you need to be at 50 grams of carbs or 200 grams of carbs, but we have to figure out what your unique situation allows your body to tolerate. There's just nobody doing that like you're doing this. I mean, you just don't hear of this being done. Mm -hmm. Um, are you doing this all over the country? I know you have several clinics we all do. over. We have many clinics all over the Carolinas, Charlotte, Greenville, Asheville. And then we have a big nationwide over the phone presence where we do it all. We have clients in every state now and even international, which is that so is fun. Amazing. Congratulations Thank on you. your success with this. You know, I've long said that obesity is our country's major health problem. Yes, it that is. if on average we weighed what we did in 1960 mm -hmm. when I grew up, I was a kid, we wouldn't have this health care problem, no. would we? No. I think it's overprescription of medications and illicit drug use mm -hmm. is number two. But I think obesity is our number one problem. And it's so complex. People think it's easy. Eat less, mm -hmm. exercise more. It's easy. That doesn't work. No, it doesn't um, work you have to take a comprehensive approach. So you wrote this book. Mm -hmm. Any other pearls that you want to give us about besides the non-negotiables? I mm -hmm. love that term. I'm going to start using that. This is non-negotiable <laughs> with my patient. I'm going to start using that term. Yeah, I'll give you credit. Yeah, all successful people have, have their non-negotiables. So we just need to copy what they do, walk in their footsteps, and that's definitely one of them. I'd say... Something that I hear is really helpful is talking about specifics. If you want some specific actions is that first meal of the day. We've been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I actually think that's bogus. It was a claim through Kellogg's in 1944 to sell more of his cereals. I agree. But what it is, is it's the first meal that you get or that you eat in the day is the, the most important meal you get right. 
because it's either going to send the body on this blood glucose roller coaster of highs and lows, and you do not want to have high blood glucose. You don't want to have those spikes because they're stressful in the body. They cause glycation and more free radicals, and those are just linked to increased speedier aging. Um, All of these negative health consequences, even like cancer, yeah. Alzheimer's, which they now call type three diabetes is yep. huge. So yep. if you want to support good brain health, it doesn't just have to do with weight loss. This has to do with every, every aspect of your body. You want to monitor your blood glucose levels. So that first meal of the day here, generally we're eating avocado toast with cereal or corn flakes with fat-free skim milk and a banana and orange juice. You know, if you look at the commercials for the breakfast of champions, that's what's going to be in it. What else? Maybe a fruit juice based smoothie. You throw some orange juice, some tropical fruits in there. You blend it up. I mean, when I was dancing, it was fat free, low fat flavored yogurts, which, by the way, have just as much sugar in them as a Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I prefer ice cream over the sweetened yogurt if I had to (laughs) choose something. So it's understanding what those high sugar load breakfasts are and go towards something that's more savory. So that could be eggs, if you like eggs, Mm -hmm. or omelets with veggies or cheese in them. Mm -hmm. It could be a full fat, plain Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be your best bet. And top it with some berries and maybe nuts and seeds. Or you don't have to eat breakfast for your first meal. It could be leftovers from dinner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Something protein, like more protein. protein 30 for to sure. 45 grams of protein for your first meal is what you want to target. I tell my patients not to eat a naked carb, oh, meaning a carb great. that is not associated with either good fats or protein because mm-hmm. it spikes your sugar. And yeah. I have a lot of my patients wear a Freestyle Libre on their arm mm-hmm. to for couple weeks most insurance will give you a free one for two weeks i've done it myself oh i would like to get a free one you get i'll write you a script well thank you or you know (laughs) and get a freestyle libre wear it yeah because i learned so much about my metabolism when Mm -hmm. i did that and i've watched my kids use these for 20 years yes it's really interesting it's not really your hemoglobin a1c that's so important it's time under the curve right it's those spikes of sugar that do the damage so what I did for two weeks, stuck it on there, shower, swam. It's a little device you, with a, a little, thread that goes in, yeah, so it's it, not it's painful. It's a little catheter. No, I didn't mm-hmm. even feel it. Andy, my son, who, who works with me, mm-hmm. my partner, he put, put it on me. I didn't feel it. And for two weeks, every five seconds, it checks your blood sugar, even at night to see if you're going high or low at night. But So what I did... I went and I got. I went to Starbucks and I got a caramel macchiato. Just to test the thing. I was just way. testing. Yes. I wanted to eat bad. <laughs> I wanted to see what it was. Uh-huh. And I'm not a diabetic, but a caramel macchiato at Starbucks sent my sugar to 170. And where should it be? It should be 100, 100, yeah. not under 125 for mm-hmm. sure after you eat something like that. So and then I ate a Krispy Kreme donut. Oh, did it's you have fun during this experiment at all, or kinda, did you actually yeah. feel bad? Well, I bet you did. I had fun because, of course, who doesn't like sweets? I mean, mm-hmm. they taste good, mm-hmm. and people eat for their taste. Yes, it's you true. Know, they, that's the most important factor in our motivation in people's eating is mm-hmm. what it tastes like. But um, so I, yeah, I had fun doing it, but really. After I ate sugar, I feel kind of bad a half hour later. And sure enough, my sugar just plunged. So a Krispy Kreme donut took me to, I think, 160. I mean, even a guy like me, that should not happen. Right. So I cannot tolerate sugars. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel awful. And really, even though my A1C is pretty good, 
those spikes, they're damaging. They really are. And, and yes. you'll feel terrible when your sugar gets too low. Yeah, even it, it causes uh, chronic fatigue, issues with your adrenal glands. So it is so stressful. Even if you're at a healthy weight, you want to make sure that you're monitoring your blood glucose. My mother, who's in her 70s, she did the same thing with a con uh, continuous glucose monitor and found that tortilla chips and beans just spiked hers like crazy. So it really is different. I think it's a good experiment Everybody's we all should do. different. Yeah, you're right. Everybody should get one of those mm -hmm. for two weeks and just look and see. But um, you're just an amazing doctor. Thank I, you. I really wish that more people knew about you. And I think hopefully they will after this and after they read your book. And you have a website, which I've looked at. Yes. It's phenomenal. Thank you. And you're getting the word out. And it's so encouraging mm -hmm. to see you. When I walk into your clinic, people hugging your neck and acting so happy mm -hmm. and standing on those vibration tables. I'm going to get one of those. Does that help? It does. It helps by improving the lymph system. It gets your metabolism going. You know, your lymph only progresses or moves due to muscular contraction. And so that that vibration machine helps with that. I jump on a little trampoline every morning that for does it five too. to ten Do minutes. you really? Yeah. I oh. have a little trampoline in my wow. workout area. My daughter's a fanatic about using those little mini trampolines. But That's great. So any other words of wisdom? I mean, it's comprehensive. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's. There's a lot to this. I mean, I mean, I just think that the main thing is there's hope. If you are struggling, you can make change if you want to. It's totally up to you to, to step up and, and make the change. You know, we have a, a client, Tim, and he came in because he had prostate cancer and he knew he had to get treatment. And the doctor called him and said that he couldn't get on the table because he was too large. He had 130 pounds excess fat weight to drop. And so he came in to see us because he needed to get treatment on his really significant prostate cancer that he was dealing with. So he came in and was only going to drop about 30 pounds to be able to get on that table. And while well, he dropped 20 pounds in the first week and a half with us, wow. he was able to go and get treatment. He um, you know, overcame his prostate cancer. He dropped over 130 pounds in total because wow. he just noticed the big change, saw motivation, saw reduced blood pressure, no more sleep apnea machine, no more CPAP. And, and he actually quit his job because he thought he was going to die. He didn't think he had much more life to live. And so now it gives me goosebumps to think about, but he is now a team member of ours that in our amazing. Lake Norman office because he wants to wow. give back to others how we give back to him. And now he knows he needs to earn some money because he's going to live a lot longer. That is an amazing so story. Great. People don't realize that, you know, he had prostate cancer. Obesity is a major risk factor for mm -hmm. cancer. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Alzheimer's, type 3 diabetes is what they call it. Yep. Every disease out there is worsened by obesity and all that inflammation in your body. So you have a comprehensive approach. I love it. I love your philosophy. Read her book. I read it from mm -hmm. start to finish and was impressed. So Thanks. read that. Go to her website, Dr. Ashley Lucas. Thank you so much for coming. We'll get back again and do this again. And any pearls you can send our way, please do oh, it. I will. Thank you, you're Dr. Amazing. Rogers. Oh, I feel the same about you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.